Well, praise the Lord. I praise God for those wonderful young people. And I thank God for you. You have refreshed my heart so very much. And I thank God for this privilege last night, today. We'll catch a flight back home in a little bit. Be home tonight and back tomorrow. But I hope that uh, you'll just continue to have a good week here. Uh, you're amazing young people. And uh, what God wants to do with your life, it's, it's, it's just undescribable. You'll never know what God's going to do. And then one day you'll get over here where I'm at and look back. He said, hasn't God been good to me? I'm wondering why they're saying, we just want to do what God wants us to do and please him. I'll have our youth pastor, Brother David Russ, stand if he'll stand right there. Brother Russ, this conference has been going 36 years and Indian camp. Did you ever go to Indian camp? When you were in Indian camp, it's part of this church. If you've never been there, it's no property like it. It's just amazing. But did you ever think that, and I think our church is a great church, did you ever see yourself as the youth pastor at the great, exciting North Valley Baptist Church? But you are. We'll let you be seated. Any pastors and youth pastors that are here, one of these 36 years, you came as a delegate. Or you went to Indian camp years ago, pastor, youth pastor, assistant pastor here in the Lord's work. Would you stand to your feet if there's anybody like that? Look at this. This is amazing. Brother Frost, I'd like to take all of them, but we'll take you. When did you go to Indian Creek? I went to Indian Creek six years and then youth conference six years. And so six years here and six years here. Now, while you were at the camp, did you say, I'm going to be the pastor, Shawnee? Now, were you in this building? As a, at the youth conference. So when you walked in, do you remember any places as a teenager? Th remain standing, please. Any places you sat in this auditorium? Probably the back row. You know, we just try to keep him off drugs when he was at your age, but uh, it's not true, is it? But tell me, when you were here, where were your seats? Do you remember se seated anywhere? I remember being the very back on the risers in the top of the balcony. Because you probably couldn't get in. Yeah. Did you ever, and I don't know, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Do you ever remember making any decisions here? Now your wife, well, you married way out of your league. I don't know why she stooped down and rescued you. <laughs> right? Mrs. Frost, you remember coming to this conference? Where were you seated? Right next to him, snuggled up as 11th grade girl? No, some other guy. Um, um, <laughs> I always thought you should have married that other guy. He has money. Yeah. He's a drug addict now, but he's a good guy. So where were you seated? You remember any spots in this or the lower floor balcony? Where? I remember in a section over here. Isn't that something? And, and while you're sat over here, say, you know, one day I'm going to be the first lady of this great church. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, Brother Dignan, isn't that amazing? I could come through and see all of you. Any of you that are standing, did you... Maybe, maybe not. Camp or youth conference gets saved here. Anybody like that? Maybe you came saved already. How about anybody that was the place where you surrendered and say, I'll serve God the rest of my life. Brother Raven, God bless. Look at all of you. Look at this. Hands are up. Over here, over here. Brother Russ, it's where too? And our brother Russ will let you be seated. Give him a big hand, will you please? 
I'm in, a, I'm in a city called Santa Clara. Santa Clara is right in the middle of the Silicon Valley. San Jose, million people, everything is all around us. There are three million people around me and there's nine million people in the Bay Area. And when I was in high school, I worked at a grocery store and once in a while, they'd send me over to a city called Santa Clara, California. And that store is not only, it's not a store anymore, but the building's there using it for a furniture store now. I recall going there and working in that store. I passed a little building that um, they built in 62. Uh, later, I became the pastor of that building in that church. And when we started the church, we began to rent it. We started with 20 people. And I never would have thought as a high school boy, I would be the pastor in Santa Clara, California. Young people, Pastor Frost just told us, get a vision for your life. And don't say, well, if I can keep myself off drugs and maybe only have, you know, two children out of wedlock and divorced only twice and go through a couple of rehabs, you know, maybe I'll, I'll try to make something out of my life. That's not the life you want. You want a life like these people that just stood, that have chosen, thank you for choosing to serve God. And they, right here, they, they sat right where you sat and where you're sitting. Who knows? Just who knows what God's going to do. Amen, preacher. And I wish that sometimes it would be, wouldn't it be fun to be able, Brother Dignan, wouldn't it be fun to see ahead and say, man, I'm going to be a grandfather 14 times. I don't look that old, do I? Thanks for throwing me under the bus right now. Even at his age, he still has a vision. What do you mean at my age? You're talking about me. Not that old, my brother. You want to do some arm wrestling right now? Brother Dignan, you come take my place, all right? But I praise God for you, Brother Frost. And I'm so appreciative of this church and this camp. We are being blessed. Brother Russ, I think I know the number. If I'm embellishing or too low, let me know. But your teenage ministry runs over 300 a week or so. And here's a man, and really so much of that began right here. And now we're the recipients of that. What a, what a testimony. And I'm just so very grateful for this church. I remember you building this church. And uh, God brought it up. And, and I just thank the Lord for all of you. Young people, you're special. And I've lived long enough, the same church, 44 years. I can tell you that these kids, and we've had so many go on to live for God, so many. My wife and I teach a young couples class, and so many of them I held the day. It's an incredible class. It's just an amazing young couples and their kids. And we see our kids having their kids, and they're seeing our kids have kids in our school. But I want you to know that it's been so wonderful to see young people live for God, even as lay people in our church and executives. And then I see them every week of my life that are not living for God. And our kids that now are adults can tell you this. Brother Treber is always kind to us. I saw a guy recently, all of his teeth were gone through drugs. And I was so kind to him. I pled with him. I said, I called him by his name. Come on back. I'd love to have you back to church. He lives under an underpass. 
His hands were so filthy, I'm certain he hasn't washed them in months. But I'd love to see him come back to God. His mom's still coming to church. He's been away from God for about 35 years. Her heart is broken. But I want you to know that your pastor wants you back. Your youth pastor wants you back. Your church, don't say, well, they'll look down on me. No, they won't. That's not what church is about. Come on back. We, um, I get to our text. We, um, we run those buses for so many years. A million and a quarter, million and a half riders now that have come. So, you know, I pass the track every week. Someone say, I, I, I used to ride the bus. I came on the bus. And a lot of them not coming anymore. They're adults. But then they come back. Every week we have somebody comes back. And it's normally a lady with her children and our grandchildren, and said, so I rode the bus. Pastor, I've been away from the Lord. But I want to get my kids back in church. Every week it happens. Sometimes they stick, sometimes they don't. Brother Charlie, I asked him last night about Misty. Misty was saved in our bus ministry. She grew up, got married. She had kids, about, I think, five. Her husband died. She was still young. She was very young when she had her kids. And she moved back there to Brother Clark's church. And she still works the bus ministry. Those kids are grown now. You never know, young people. The book of Lamentations today, if you'll turn there, can you find Lamentations? It's somewhere in there. Uh, it's right after Jeremiah. You get to hear today, Brother Miller. Do you preach today? Is that right? I appreciate you so much. I knew, I met him when I was a little kid and he was an older man. Look at that gray hair. Look at that gray. I, please stand for us. I could wear a hairpiece just like that, but I refuse to, thank you. But I remember when he took me on his knee when I was a little boy and he sang Gucci, Gucci, Gucci to me or whatever it was, or Jesus loves me, but he's just such a good guy. And I'm so thankful for your wife and your kids and Brother Rule just came in. I know he's here. He's in this section right here. Where are you at, Brother Rule? Yeah, that's what I thought. Over here in this section right away. You're right here. How are you? I knew that snoring was coming from somewhere. But Brother Rule, I've known you your whole life, I think. And you are going to hear a man of God. He's a good man. And uh, I thank the Lord for him, for Mariah that's with him, for his faithfulness. Brother Dignan. You always amaze me and your sweet family. And Brother Charlie Clark last night, wow, what a night on prayer. You pray for his prayer summit. And uh, I just pray the Holy Spirit to tell you how thankful I am for you. It's uh, 125 here, it's 1125. No, are we three hours difference or two? Three hours. It's 1025. I'll go California time. I get about another 30 minutes to preach. So I'll preach for about Three hours and 30 minutes today. If I lose your attention, just walk on out. Where are you from? What state are you from? Arkansas? I rest my case right there. You with Brother Weedo? You with Brother Jake Weedo? You know his daughter, you know his daughter, his wife, she looks like his daughter. You know his daughter? You know his wife right back there? You know, when she was in our high school, she was always in trouble. She would have done just what you did. Is that where you got that from, from her? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
She was perfect. She's a North Valley girl. I appreciate it. You can go ahead and leave if you want. It's about time for your tobacco break, isn't it? You're from Arkansas. <laughs> You've already had it, haven't you? No. People said to me, said, how come it looks like you're feeling pretty good these days, not all bent up. When I've tried this new thing called cocaine and heroin, it is working great. I'm having the best time of my life. I don't know where I'm at, but I'm having a good time. Well, let's stand together, shall we? I am not preaching on this verse. In fact, I'm not even in this chapter. I'm in the next chapter. But I'd like you to look with me at one verse. At least we'll read this verse. An awful thing, an awful condition was happening to the people of God. They had backslid so terribly. And they'd come to this point where judgment was coming. The Bible says is the city sitting in solitary that was full of people. She was great among the nations. Sounds a lot like our country. And she's gone, verse 3, into captivity. She's dwelling among the heathen, verse number 3. Her enemies, verse 5, prosper. Her children are going to captivity. You see, when mother and dad reject God and when preachers get casual with God, there's someone that's going to pay the price for that. And it's generally the next generation. My generation has done you so wrong. My generation, we, we follow, please be seated right there, if you will. We, we, I haven't got to the verse I want you to read, but, but we, we, we follow, my generation followed World War II. World War II was an incredible time. I've become an avid reader in recent years of World War II. I'm amazed at our fathers that went and fought those six years and, and over 60,000 deaths, 73,000, 73 million, 60 million deaths, 73 million casualties along the way. What an amazing thing. The ladies, Rosie the River, Riveter, ladies would lead their children with the neighbor lady because both men, both houses were off to the battle. And the ladies would go to the factories that we used to build cars. Someone says, I have a 1947 Chevy. No, you don't. They didn't build 47s in 47. They didn't build 46s. They didn't build 45s. All the car manufacturers became places where they built munitions and they built armament and they built tanks and they built airplanes. And Rosie the Riverdators, the ladies did it. This neighbor girl, she would work 16-hour days and leave her children with her neighbor. The next day, she would watch all the kids and the neighbor lady would go. And when these boys came home and many of those wives had no husbands coming home, America began to boom. America was in a, an attitude that we won the war. We're winners. We fought Hitler. We fought Stalin. We fought Mussolini. We fought the fascists. We fought the socialists. And they came home. And I was born into that moment. And all of a sudden, the cars were being rolling off the plant. Oh, they used to soap the windows. And I can remember as a boy, my dad would take me in the 50s. 56 Chevy, I'll never forget walking in. They had the, the big searchlights going everywhere and they'd have the windows soaked and the car dealerships could get one car in. Turner Ford could fit two new cars in. And I saw that first 1956 Chevy. Wow, it was unbelievable. And the next year we went and saw the 57 Chevy and every year they changed the style. They keep them the same for about 10 now and then they change. It was quite a time. All over our area, like 
undoubtedly in this area, it's all over the country. They had the World War II houses built in 49 and 50 and 51 and the mid 50s. They're all over our area. My son-in-law and daughter live in a World War II house. They were little bungalows, little two-bedroom bungalows, sometimes three, but it was, the manufacturer was going, churches were exploding. Boys were coming home, churches being raised up. Ten largest churches in America were old-fashioned, preaching, sowing, separate churches, and it was on the boom. Then came my generation. The 60s. My generation was the hippie generation. My old man, my old lady, that was the attitude. And that wasn't my attitude, but that, my parents are not going to tell me what to do. The school's not going to tell me what to do. I got a school before everything changed. But about 1970, they started, 71, 72, started changing. Dr. Mayer sent his kids to school. I went to public school, 3,500 young people. Their hair was just touching the top of the ear, public high school in my area. They said, you boys get, go home, get a haircut. We don't want long hair in our school. That was the rule in California. I have the pictures from the yearbook. Our cheerleaders, cheerleaders in 65, 66 had dresses below the knee. Public school. Public school. No shorts were allowed in the school. You wore, you wore clothes to school. Girls had to wear dresses. Boys had to wear pants. Could not wear blue jeans. What a day it was. There was rules. You were out, anybody out at 11 o'clock at night, the police could arrest you. Had to be home. Then my generation said, we want our long hair. We want our free love. We want our hippie movement. We want hate aspirin in San Francisco. And it spread around the country. We'll do what we, we want to protest. And we even voted in a president that was a protester, went to Canada. He didn't want to fight in the war. That wasn't World War II, boys. And the wheels in the 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s started coming off. And you are now the beneficiaries of what our stupidity and our sin. When you go to jail for preaching the gospel, I'll probably be dead. But my generation has ruined your future. But I want to say you could do something about it. We get to verse number 12. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Today, there are opportunities ahead of you, young people. You can go to Indian Creek Camp and you can go to the 36th Annual Youth Conference and at this conference today or tonight or sometime these next days before you leave, say, I believe God wants me to preach the gospel. About 25 years ago, on one, one Wednesday night in our church on a youth conference, there was five people. Little did I know, all five that night were saying, I'm going to serve God with my life. And all five of those have been preachers of the gospel, our preachers' wives. It was at a youth conference. They all said the same night, same message, same time. God wants to use my life. God wants to use you, young people. The greatest days for America could be yet ahead. I don't buy into this. It's gonna, I know it's going to wax worse and worse everywhere else, but not right here. It doesn't have to. Don't you change an area. Our God, I said on the radio last week, our God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
Do you realize, in my opinion, I not much, but I tell you what, I don't believe, and you don't either, that God wants to send anyone to hell. By the way, he doesn't. We send ourselves there by rejecting them. But he doesn't want anyone to perish. He says in 2 Peter chapter 3, I just quoted, he's not willing that any should perish. And I truly believe that God, because of his character, would like to send one more sweeping revival of our churches, one more before that great day when Jesus comes again and then his wrath is poured out on planet. He doesn't want that tribulation time. He wants everyone to come to repentance. Perhaps if you read any revival, read the Wales revival, revivals generally always started with youth. Read them. This young girl, this young couple, this young people, they got right with God. What would happen in your church if this week a entire youth group said, we want to go back home. We want to sit up front. We want to sing. We want to serve. We want to work in the bus ministry. We want to sing in the choir. Whatever your church allows you to do. We want to clean the buildings. We want to go soul winning. We want to knock on doors. We want to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. If that's going to happen, we're going to have to look at chapter 2. This country was a mess. The judgment of God was on them. God introduces to us in chapter 2 of Lamentations. Lamentations simply was written that way because it was the weeping prophet. God introduces to us two classes of people. Older people and younger people. And he's going to assign both groups in this chapter a responsibility. I can't tell you to take my responsibility. I have tried. My wife has tried. My brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws and, and my sisters and our generation, we have tried to do our part in this chapter. But I'm going to ask you to do your part. The two groups are older people and younger people. Notice what the Bible says in verse 8. The Lord, chapter 2, verse 8, the Lord hath purpose to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. A wall is important because it is for safety and security. There's a wall around heaven because we'll be in a safe environment. The gates will be left open because there's no sin there. And God said, he has stretched out the line and not redrawn his hand from destroying. Wherefore... He made the, what's the next word, church? Verse 8. Wherefore, therefore, he made the rampart and the wall to lament, they languish together. As he's going to show us older people and younger people, there's a rampart and there's a wall. There's a difference between the two. I'm a wall. You're a rampart. Notice what the Bible says. As you go to verse number 11, mine eyes do fail with tears. My bowels are troubled. My liver is poured out on the earth for the destruction of the daughter of my people because the children, the children and the suckling swoons in the city, the streets of the city. Look at verse 10, the elders. And so we have the children in verse 11. We have the elders in verse number 10. Look at verse 21. The young and the old lie on the ground in the streets. 
We have two different groups of people. We have the young, we have the old. What part do you want to play today? You want to be the old people or the young people? I'd kind of like to be the young guy, but I don't think I will. I'll be the old, I'll be the elderly. And you be the children, the young people. And the comparison is also, and I won't need to be long now, with the wall and with the rampart. This is a wall. This today represents me. You know what? By the grace of God, we, my wife and I, and so many of those that went to Bible college with me, and others along the journey of life that I've met, you know what we tried to put in this wall? We tried to make it strong and fortified. We, we tried to, children, obey your parents. We tried to. My dad died two years ago, he was 94. I tried to obey my dad my entire life. My mother died a few years back, she was 91. I tried, I never tried to disrespect my mother. I wish I could go back and do some redos, but I tell you what, I never shouted back. I never sassed back, never. I had it in my heart sometimes, I didn't want it to, but I never rebuked my mother. I never made my mother, never had a night where my mother had to go to bed crying on her knees with my dad for Jack. I wish I could say I was as perfect as they thought I was. But I tell you what, I tried to put, and my sisters did the same, and when their mother and dad died, I'm looking in the casket of my mother, and I'm looking at my casket of my dad, I had at least the idea and the thought, I never tried to bring that dear man any grief. I put some foundation in our wall. I had a pastor. I remember looking at him and conducting and preaching his funeral, and I looked at his, his body, Dr. Ken Smith, what a great man. He was a renowned man in his day. He was the first graduate of Bob Jones University. His roommate was Tom Malone. I never criticized my pastor. My mother and dad never criticized. And you're a sorry person. You're going to go to the internet and trash your man of God. It's a very dangerous thing. My mother and dad taught me never to speak in disregard toward the pastor. They never had roast pastor. We put that in the foundation. My mother and dad, they lost their business. My dad was 95% deaf. Both hearing aids, he could hear real well until it took him off. My dad got so burdened for deaf people when he found out you could have hearing aids built into glasses like this. He used to have the old things like this. They, you had to clip them on a t-shirt for a man on both sides. You had those my dad was such a good man, he went into business. But in that regard, he wasn't a good businessman because when someone could not afford a hearing aid, he said, well, let me pay for it. And he was in business with some men that did him wrong and he carried the bills for the next 10, 11, 12 years and paid for every bill. We moved into a little two-room place to live, not just two bedrooms all we had. We didn't have a kitchen. We didn't have a living room, a family room. And we lived in those two bedrooms that we rented. Mother and dad every Saturday night would write a check to Calvary Baptist Church and get the Bibles ready. We had family devotion and we had money before and when we lost money, they were still faithful to God and they put in our heart, be faithful to the things of God. That's my wall. 
I've been trying to build a wall. My wife and I have been trying to build a wall. This December we'll be married 48 years and we've tried to build a wall for our children and our grandchildren so that they might be in a place of safety. We put them in a church. We put them in a youth group. We put them in a great school. We had great people around them. We taught them instruments. We taught them how to play and how to have fun and how to settle arguments. Why? Because mother and dad, my sweet wife, we put some things in the foundation of our wall to protect the next generation. Pastor, would I just for a few moments before I close be able to just remove these? I'll put them right back with some fellows. Give me some strong guys, preferably guys not from Arkansas. Come on, Arkansas boys, you come too. I wonder if we can just put, just put some of these down here, right here. Look how they are because we're going to put them right back. If I mess this up, uh, forgive me. Just put them on the ground here, fellas. Thank you for coming so readily. Let me have one of you men stay, please. What's your name, sir? Adam. Adam. God bless you. Where are you from, Adam? Fairfield, Ohio, Bible Baptist Church. Fairfield? Bible Baptist Church in, in Ohio. 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 Why do you talk that way? You're not from America, are you? Are you from Kentucky originally? Is that, you got a draw. No, my, my grandpa was. My grandpa was. My grandpa. How about your granny? What about her? Papa and Granny. Papa and Granny, he's got it. And then take the tobacco out right there. Okay, good, okay. What's your name? Adam. Adam. God bless you, Brother Adam. Would you come down here? Look as he goes there, look at the, what the Bible says in verse number eight of chapter two. The Lord hath purposed to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. God says I have to bring judgment. I don't want to. And the world is attacking that wall right now today. The flesh attacks that wall. Pride attacks that wall. That wall is under attack. Brother Rule, you've been in the ministry long enough, the rest of you guys as well. It gets wearisome. I get tired of it. Sometimes I think, oh dear God, I love what I'm doing, but it's, the older I get, the harder it becomes. People are so temperamental. It seems like so many want us soft, doesn't it? Just seems like it seems like we have to battle everything. It, it's sometimes, sometimes so so wearisome. That wall is going to be constantly under attack, and you better build a wall for the next generation. But look what the scripture says. The Bible says the Lord purposed to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. He has stretched out the line. And if not destroy, and not withdrawn his hand from destroying. Therefore, he made a rampart. We sing about it, one of our songs of America, the rampart. What is a rampart? Brother Adam, you help me, please. A rampart is a wall in front of a wall. A rampart is a small wall we put along the shorelines ramparts they're not the big huge walls that you go up the hill yeah the rampart is to try to keep away the erosion as the seawater comes against the wall against the the base of that rock and a rampart's a small wall brother adam you're the small wall my wife and these preachers and i and these adults here we've tried to build a wall for you dear folks but you're gonna to have to choose and you're gonna build one too. 
You're going to have to build a rampart. We don't expect it. We don't expect, Brother Frost, we don't, Brother Dave, we don't expect it to be like that yet. I hope God gives you many more years. You're still going to be building on that wall. And you put such a, you and your wife would be commended what you've done with your lives. You put such a good foundation and your walls come up. And you know what? We're all seeing it now. God's using you like never before. We're seeing it, Brother Frost. God, we're seeing it, what God's doing in, in that young kid that's sat here that went to camp, that took to young people to our youth conference all these years, and God's raised you, and your wall's coming up. I see it. My wife said to me on the phone last night, she said, honey, you be kind to all those young preachers. We need them. I said, well, what are you talking about? She goes, well, I was talking about Brother Charlie, Brother Miller, Brother Frost. She went through the whole litmus. Brother Rule, you be kind. I said, honey, I'm a kind person. Well, I said, honey, I'm a kind person. She goes, we need those guys. She talked about Ariel. She said, you be kind to them. We need those guys. We're not going to be around forever, but they will be by the grace of God if he tarries. Brother Adam, I've got to have you build a wall. That wall is going to be under attack. Maybe you could stop some of the, I'd like to stop some of the erosion of the men that were my heroes of the faith. I tried to take everything I could off the plate of Dr. Bobby Robertson. When he was discouraged, I tried to encourage him. When his wall was attacked, I went after it. Tom Malone and Lee Robertson, I'd stop by Lee Robertson's house. He had already, quote, retired from preaching. He got old. I'd stop by, pick him up. We'd go to Wally's. He never needed a, he never needed a menu. It was the same every day. We'd stop and I'd, I'd, I'd talk to him. And he'd say, how's, how's the church? How's the church? How's the college? How's things going? And the last time I took him, Brother Frost, he didn't, he remembered I had a college. He couldn't remember everything. His mind was going. I saw it. I heard it. And his friends had told me, now, now. What are you going to do? And then I start talking about, Brother Robertson talked about the Sunday school. All right, the Sunday, he was right back on. The Sunday school, uh, workers and officers meeting, he said it all the time. Got to have it. He said, you don't let your, your, your Sunday school teachers, they can't drink, they can't go to the movies. You're awake, my friend, you're from Arkansas? All right, go ahead, just have a snooze. Don't, just don't snore out loud. Um, uh, and, 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 and wait a minute. Oh, what a guy. He built a wall for me. Yes, sir. But Adam, it's your choice now. I need you to build a rampart. That's honesty. Would you put it in the foundation of your life? You've got to be honest, Adam. You can't lie. You can't lie. You're going to have to tell the truth the rest of your life. Your wife's going to catch you one day and say, did you do this? You're going to have to say, here's the truth about that. You're going to have to have honesty. You're going to have to have integrity. You put it in your wall. You're going to have to have godliness. You know, it's, it's work every day to read your Bible and pray. You're going to have to have godliness. May I say this, Adam, you're going to have to have holiness. That's a heavier one. You're going to have to have holiness. You know what Adam's doing? Praise God. He is making a choice that I'm going to put some things in my rampart. I, it's about time I pick up and start building my wall. I'm going to put some good things in my wall. I'm going, to pay, I'm, I'm going to put, that's a heavier one there too, right there. I'm going to put kindness in my wall. I'm going to put obedience in my wall. When the Spirit of God speaks, I'm going to obey every spiritual impulse. And I'm going to obey every single thing that God says in my life. I'm going to put tithing in my wall because I'm going to give back to God. I'm going to put church attendance in my wall. Amen. Amen.
Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm going to sit up front when I go home. I'm, I'm going to get busy as a teenager in the work of God. I'm going to give God first crack at my life. I'm not going to go say, well, I'm going to be a computer program. Hey, praise God if that's what God has for you. But that should be second choice. First, my life, Lord, is yours to control. You sang that last night. I could hear our kids. That's been our school theme for years. We sing that. That's our school song. I want to put, on, I want to, I want to put respect. We're not respecting women. Why? We've rejected God. We want to have to have a Me Too movement. If a generation of men got back to church and realized that you're sweet and you're kind and you treat a woman with great respect, the government's not going to teach you how to do that. In the streets is not going to teach you how to do that. But the house of God and see some men of God and see some preachers like you're seeing here, they're going to help you on that endeavor. So when he's important, I don't know if I gave you that one, but you know what, Adam, I'm proud of you, buddy. You're building a good wall. Boy, that looks like it's very sturdy. You're putting the right ingredients in. The right ingredients. I'm going to get wise counsel for my life. I'm going to listen to my mother. Well, I'm a, I'm a 17-year-old boy. Why would I want to listen to my mother? Because she is your mother. Yeah, but my mother's unsaved. Why don't you ask her some questions that she can't answer? Mom, I want to be a good son to you. Is there anything I could do to help you today? I love you so much. Come on. Come on. Yes, sir. I'm not saying your unsaved mother who maybe doesn't even know the Bible could ask or answer a lot of Bible questions. But you could say, Adam, Mom, I want to make you proud of me. I owe everything to you. You carried me, you fed me. And I want you to know as your mother, I know a preacher today, he's older than I. His dad left and he was a drunk. Some of you would know him. His mother would lose her mind regularly and he'd have to go get her committed. And he lived in that environment. But he gave himself to the word of God. And God began to take his eyesight and began to memorize the Bible. And he'd preach in our church and he knows that Bible by memory, so much of it. And preach the power of God. He loved his mother. I've got a lady in my church. Her mother and dad destroyed her little life. Her hands show it today. She's a mother of five. She's one of our pastor's wives, and they're scarred because mother and dad, when she was about four years of age, set her hands on fire. They broke her pelvis. They broke her ribs. They fractured bones in her body. They defiled her. They ruined her. They went to prison. She went from foster home to foster home to foster home till a church in Oklahoma City, about age 12, picked her up on a bus. And those deacons began to pay for Christian school. She didn't know anything about anything. And she got saved. And oh, what a godly woman she's been. And a godly missionary wife. And now godly staff member with her husband in our church. And five amazing godly Christian kids. She said to me about eight years ago, Brother Treber, I want to go to Arizona and talk to my mother. 
I found out where she lives. I've never seen her. She's out of prison. I said, are you sure you want to do this? She said, for one reason. First, and they twofold, she goes, I want to forgive her. And secondly, I want her to know that God can forgive her Amen. and save her. She went to see her and her mother at first was not pleased, but she invited her in. Finally, she said, what are you doing here after all that happened to you in our home? Why are you even here? With tears in her eyes, she said, Mother, you'll never know this, but I pray for you every day. I love you. And you know, your life was so out of control. I don't think you meant to do any of those things. But I want you to know what happened to me. And she talked about riding on that bus and getting saved. And she said, I'm married and you have grandkids. Several, several hours later, mother said, do you think God could save me? I wonder if you could put forgiveness. You know, Adam, you're going to have to get forgiveness. People are going to wrong you, whether you're in the ministry or not. But I can tell you, you preachers right here that are here, people are going to wrong you, going to hurt you, you're going to say things that are not true. That's going to be wound, a wound. Hey, you got to get rid of bitterness. So you got to put strength in there, courage in there. You know, Adam, I want you to know that in your life. And we'll stop for the sake of time. Thank you, Adam. Let you be seated. It's time for you young people to build a wall. In my generation, we put holes in our wall. I know that. My generation had old time religion and now I don't know why we're doing this contemporary junk. I have no idea what we're thinking. As my generation thought you could throw the rule book out in public school and bring drugs in and bring drink in and bring a, 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 how to have safe immorality and we started cutting holes in our wall. I'm telling you something, you cut holes in your church when you're turning it into a nightclub. You never can compete with the nightclub. They have better facilities. They have more extreme lights. They have better rock concerts. Why in the world would you want to bring that to the house of God? And yet my generation's doing it again. We're introducing this junk. And I promise you it will not produce a second generation. I promise you that. Because the rampart's not being built then either. Oh, how we need to pile hymns and songs and spiritual songs and singing and making melody or harmony in our heart to God. I could go on. I'll stop. Let's stand together, please. Our Father, I think I've preached long enough. I'm not finished, not near finished. But oh, I pray that some young people today would build a rampart, the little wall in front of the big wall as they continue to build that rampart. I pray that one day it'd be a big, big wall Extending out for the next generation. We're seeing the shoreline erode in our homes, in our churches, in our country. God, give us some teenagers. Oh, please, right now, God, as we open up the invitation, begin to pour young people down this aisle. I'll build a rampart. I'll put some walls around my life so I don't destroy it, so that one day I can build a great wall and have my children and my children's children see a great wall of protection. 
Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And young people, please, please, I beg you, build a rampart. Folks are coming everywhere up the balcony. Could you come? The lower floor, could you come? Say on this day, on whatever the date is in July today, I am coming forward and saying I am publicly declaring I'm going to build a wall around my life. I'm going to put a rampart in front of the great wall. I'm going to put a rampart in front of my preacher and his wife's wall in front of my church. I'm going to build as a teenager a rampart. I'm not going to push a new agenda to the church. I'm going to thank God for the wall that's been built, the pianist place. I want to have prayer with you before you go back. Stay in the front if you will. Folks are coming. Will you come as the pianist place?